Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. You're listening to the Candare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, uh, the creator and writer of Steel Versus, uh, this comic that's going to be on Kickstarter starting the 20th, May 20th, right? Correct. We have Scott Schmidt. Thanks for being with us, Scott. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. We're going to have a good time today in this week's Retro Roundtable, uh, very much inspired by our guest this week. Scott's always putting pictures on his Instagram of uh, like classic NES games he's picked up and he's playing, and I, I love those pictures, Scott. Don't stop doing that, okay? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. I, uh, I try to get them wherever I can. But we're going to be talking retro games this week, and it doesn't have to be uh, exclusive to Nintendo. It can be uh, any older game we want to talk about. Uh, then we're going to be diving into the comic dump bin. What do we have this week, guys? Surface Tension. Ooh, was that a comic bento? Yep. Mine's also a comic bento uh, offering from your from your uh, box. That the box. four points. Hmm. Yeah. And I've got The Road to Civil War. Oh, how appropriate. Pretty awesome. Very appropriate right yeah. now. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff to talk about. I think we have a hero this week, Jack, right? Oh, yes. And then we're going to be turning our full attention over to Scott to talk more about Steel Versus. So let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Engage. All right, guys. <laughs> Super radio mode. <laughs> Let's get down to brass tacks. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right. Well, uh, hey, Scott, why don't we just let you kick it off? Uh, what are you playing? Uh, well, I haven't had a whole lot of time to play uh, recently, but the last game that I picked up at a flea market uh, was Final Fight 2. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Good old Hagar. Super Nintendo? Exactly. Yeah, Super Nintendo. I've got uh-huh. that game. Played the hell out of that game. Man, that was oh, a fun yeah. game. I don't think I They're ever so beat good. It, it was uh, right up there with Double Dragon. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tomato Tomato for them, you know. The big windmill yeah. movie had that was just the big hurr. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the double scissor kick and, and the suspenders. He's just the whole package. Yeah. The sound effects in those games, every sound effect was gold. Just the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love every. They've all got that kind of, of like overproduced sound to them, yeah. but it's just perfect for the setting. Yeah. Right. No right. one's like, oh, that sounds ridiculous. You're like, yeah, yeah. And just the hulking street thugs that would come out. It's so funny because these dudes are supposed to be street thugs, but some of them would come out in nothing but a Speedo and like a mohawk, like flexing right. their biceps. Like, they've what's all got those here? like super sharp punctuated steps like do do yes do. yes yeah. <laughs> put well, it's so like much all energy doing, into it they're all doing inconspicuous things until you come <laughs> yeah, up like they're just like sitting at a table having a drink like hey look at these guys let's beat the shit out of them <laughs> <laughs> they're all huddled around a trash stolen. can on the street or something like that <laughs> hey we're drinking here <laughs> some dude tying his daughter's shoes like there you go sweetie like oh wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> I gotta punch this guy in the face <laughs> 
I'd love to see the dad bent over being a thoughtful father, tying his daughter's shoes, wearing nothing but a Speedo. (laughs) That's something I don't want to see. (laughs) I thought it was always funny in that game when you'd walk over to pick up a weapon and there'd just be the dagger on the ground and you'd play as Hagar because you'd walk up and just be like... He just yeah, <laughs> whip it across the screen and take a guy out. Well, you could like jab maybe three or four times, and then you would throw it or something, yeah. right? Yep, something like that. I don't remember. Or you could just yeah. wing it. Yeah, man, what a fun game! Like the two by four, you just hold that across the <laughs> across the screen. Oh, yeah, man. I was a fan of the lead pipe. That's just like yeah. super iconic. Just this, like he grabs it out of the trash and just starts smashing people. It's hard to argue with a lead pipe. I mean, it's not <laughs> really, it's not, not an argument you're going to win. It's a strong know? way to uh, end a sentence. It really is. <laughs> that it is. My favorite part, I think, of Final Fight is the fact that Hagar is was or formerly was or was the mayor of the city oh, and yeah. also a pro wrestler <laughs> at the same time. So, I mean, he's just, like, the full package of the character. And wasn't, like, wasn't his daughter kidnapped or something by the villain? And, like, every shot where it shows her tied up has, like, this heaving cleavage, like, out the top. (laughs) This is supposed to be a kid's game. (laughs) As a kid, I loved it. Oh, sure. (laughs) Right, totally. Added bonus. Absolutely. (laughs) They should make a movie of that game. Final Fight? I'd see that. Totally. John Claude Van Damme. (laughs) (laughs) Little fun fact: If you want to actually check out a movie, it's kind of related to it. It's it's a the movie that the creators of Final Fight were sort of semi inspired by, but it's it's from the '80s and it's called Streets of Fire, and it's got uh, Willem Dafoe, it's got Rick Moranis, uh, Bill Paxton has a tiny tiny role in it, and then um, oh I forget there's a few other people, but it's it's not bad. It's an okay movie. But get it's, the hell it's, out of here. Streets of Fire. He said. Streets of Fire. Yeah, that's awesome. This is yeah, Streets of Fire. <laughs> I'm Bill Paxton. Let's <laughs> <laughs> oh be the side scroller beat 'em ups. Streets of Rage. Streets Back of on Rage. the Genesis. That's cool. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Streets of Rage Two that's... was the best. The best one of the two. Was it a, a, pretty much yeah, the same game? Yeah, yeah, pretty much side scroller, beat him up. He had special moves. Little kid with roller skates, he'd get on top of your head and just pound the hell out of you. Pound the hell out of you, yeah. yeah. Totally. And the music in that game was freaking amazing. Yeah, that one's that one's uh, Streets of Rage and Final Fight are probably the, the two best ones of the whole genre, I think. Yeah. Really over uh, Double Dragon. Well, Double Double Dragon's really good too, but I just because the most of those games are on NES and you know it's they're really good, but Super Nintendo just looks a little little better, plays a little faster, so you know. I have to bring my Genesis over because I've got oh. Street Rage still. There, there is a, yeah. there is a good Super Nintendo one though. It's the Super Double Dragon, and uh, that one's really kick ass too. So yeah, that was a sweet game. That was a sweet game. Yeah, you should definitely bring that over after I get that Nintendo console. We can just have a whole retro game night. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. There was a uh, Double Dragon. I don't know if reboot is the word. Like, it's, I think it was more of like an homage to the original. But it was like a souped up, like next gen, still the side-scrolling gameplay and all that, but like with really overdone 80s style voice acting and like a hair metal soundtrack. Oh, sweet. Every like the special, Neo Geo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every special ability you unlocked was some like chart topping track from the 80s that they like crudely <laughs> shoehorned to have something to do with what you were doing. <laughs> right. It was cool. Man. Uh, one of my favorite 
older games is uh, Jurassic Park. Did you guys play any of that? No. Nah. That was a rough one. That was a very yeah, rough game. And super hard. The only way you could play it, I was a Nintendo Power uh, subscriber at this nice. point of my nice. life, I'm pretty sure, and they put out in the magazine the entire map and where all the dinosaurs would jump out and this and that. So you could, you know, maneuver your way around and beat the game that way. But on your own, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't see how it could be done. You've got to be prescient to beat some of those old NES games that just expect you to uh, trial yeah. and error or something. But Well, if I remember right. correctly, ammo was very precious in that game. But like every two steps, there was a raptor jumping out of the tree line <laughs> right. at you. or <laughs> yeah. You'd just be walking and the ground would start shaking. You're like, oh, I'm done. Might as well not even try game over. <laughs> <laughs> there are some games I don't think, I don't understand how you could have beat it without having Nintendo Power with the map layouts of the some yeah. of the games that that being the biggest one that i can remember um you know turtles was a tough one without seeing the map because you had to know where you the were first going. one yeah yeah yep. i never did beat that yeah game. that one that one's impossible i to this day it still angers me <laughs> and once i get this new console maybe i can redeem myself and see how far i get then but i only ever got as far Good as the, the dam in the turtle game and the reason being is because when you're climbing up through the dam there's a little hole that every time you try to jump over, you fall through. <laughs> and a few times I was able to maneuver it, but never enough to progress in the game. And then years later, watching the angry video game nerd, he pointed out that same spot. He goes, oh, don't worry. You can just walk right over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't even have to jump. You can walk right over the hole. Perfect. Yeah. All the hours I wasted. You wish you could bring your blood pressure down to pre-Ninja Turtles levels. <laughs> All the wasted time. So that'll be uh, some ground I'll have to cover once yeah. we get that console back up and going. What about Game Boy games? You ever play any Game Boy games, Scott? I'm not a big handheld gamer. Um, I had a few of them, uh, but but not really. I've recently, since sort of like going back into retro consoles and playing stuff that I hadn't played, I have like checked out the the core Nintendo games that are only on there, like the Metroid 2 and then um, yeah. the, the Super Mario Land games and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Those are all really good, and yeah, I never played those as a kid, but... I never played them as a... Well, that's not true. I had a Game Boy, and I played the Super Mario Land, but the second one I just picked up over the weekend, and we have a Super Game Boy Advance where it hooks to the bottom of your GameCube, and you can play your GameCube game... Or, excuse me, your Game Boy games on the television. Yeah, and, that one's awesome. Yeah, tell me about it. And we picked up the second Mario Land, and it's those games are so different than the rest of the Mario universe. Really odd. I had trouble mm -hmm. getting by. It's like I drew the line at, like, he throws, like, little bouncy balls instead of fireballs. That was in the first one, <laughs> like, yeah. what is this garbage? I'm not interested. They fixed that in the second one. They oh, actually good. were okay. fireballs, and then they gave you, like, the rabbit ears you can fly around right, with. Right, so right, right. They made it more like the uh, uh, Super Mario World feel, but still, just some very obscure... Like, in Super Mario Land, there were, like, little Easter Island heads that would run yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> there were Martians and airplanes. There were these flies with pitchforks. And well, I guess there were flies with pitchforks in Mario too. But yeah, there were. It's like the That's level right. designers got bored and then punched a fistful of shrooms down each other's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the second game's like, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a complete. Well, you know what? I I had read a whole thing about that. It was um some weird like. Indie's not the right word, because at that time there was no, like, indie concept. But it was, like, an independent, I guess, uh, game. The gameplay, enemies, settings, almost completely identical. It was called Something Panic. It's like heart 
beat panic or some like something weird like that and it was just mm. like a family that falls asleep and they're trapped in this dream and they're trying to help each other escape but they took that i guess nintendo got a hold of that somehow and they just like palette swapped all the mario characters oh, nice. that's why it's so drastically different which uh, which game exactly are you? Super Mario World Two, where you're like pulling things out of the yeah. ground, and that was already a game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, angry video game nerd. Yeah, I, oh, he did. He shows oh, he shows uh, the game before it was tweaked, and then the game oh, cool. after. Well, here Isn't I thought crazy? I knew something crazy and obscure, but no, 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 uh, no. Point. It's it's really cool. You should definitely check it out. I mean, all his episodes are yeah, cool funnier than hell. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's easy yeah. to binge on his episodes, yeah. but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Dick Tracy episode? <laughs> I'm sure I have, but I don't remember. Yeah, you should watch it. It's hilarious. What about uh, Plumbers Don't Wear Ties? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> oh, my God. I know That's how so that sounds <laughs> to everyone who doesn't know what that means. You but... just activated some assassin that's been trained by the KGB. <laughs> well, it was one of the worst games he ever talked about, and it was one of those games that was on... Does anyone here remember the 3DO? Oh, yeah, yeah. I never played it, but yeah. I remember. Yeah, it. the very short-lived 3DO, and it was on that game. That game was on that console. Pardon me, but it, it was called Plumbers Don't Wear Ties, and it was like a. Uh, <laughs> I can't even describe it to you, so I'm not going to try. But I think the name says it all. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> you you have to watch that video. Go to <laughs> Cinemassacre.com. Look up Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. I it's will. Demented <laughs> as fuck. You just wonder how did was this ever released to the public? There's some the weird 3D... stuff that slips by. Yeah. The 3DO was a weird system. It had a lot of strange games. Yeah, it did. One Isn't good it... one though that came from it though was was it Gex the oh, the Gex games. I remember. Didn't Gex. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember I thought Gex they were. 64. He was on. Yeah, it started out on 3DO I think, and then there was like PlayStation and 64 games after that. Yeah. That game had such a... Its hype train was unstoppable. They broke the sound barrier. And then once it, once I played it, I was like... Yeah. Like, even as a kid, <laughs> when I was pretty much ready to accept anything put in front of me, like, this is the best game ever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, kind of rather be playing Star Fox right now. <laughs> well, they made it... It was a fun game, I thought. Yeah, it was yeah. clever and uh, definitely alluring to the eye, you know. But... Uh, they overcomplicated it. I mean, not only could you walk upright, kind of like the Geico lizard, but you could also, like, stick to walls and stuff. And that could get really uh, confusing and really impaired your... controls aren't really that tight, you know? Nothing's as responsive as (laughs) you need it. It impaired your movement when you had incoming villains and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah, those games, like, they're part of a class of games of, you know, the early 3D immersion, and it's... Yeah. They just don't age well, and they're really still tough to play. Super weird stuff. Donkey like, Kong the original is... Tomb Raiders are like that. Like, you can't play an original Tomb Raider game and have any amount of no, fun. You can't make out where you're supposed to jump and yeah. you're kind of cubbies. It all looks the same. Yeah. You mean actually getting the sandbox effect, like the first sandbox run, run around in three-dimensional space? Yeah, yeah just I trying see. to navigate a three-dimensional space with characters and, like, sticking to walls and stuff like that, you know, is all just... Right. Experimental was, at that point. There was a weird time when everyone was trying to do that, and I guess because nobody really nailed it, everything was a like it still got published. There were all these terrible, terrible games that were trying yeah. really hard, but it was right. like the Wild West, just like here it is. You know, every game you played like that was 
irritating in its own way, but I guess you couldn't really tell the difference. It's the newest thing to do, 3D. (laughs) When Super Nintendo came out, they were really trying to push 3D on that with, like, Super Clay Fighter. That was a fun game. Um, the uh, Stunt Race FX with the like oh, the FX yeah. chip and 3D World Runner. I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't remember that. Like, one. You're just running. Well, not That's to it. mention you said Star Fox already. Star There's Fox. a big yeah. component. F Zero. Oh yeah, yeah. that one was fun. Man, that was a hell out of that game. Captain Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> that is not an easy game. No, I was never been no. good at racing games, but no. F Zero get that give drift down right. Yeah. Yep. And it's not game. even one of those things where when you're good at the game, you have an advantage. It's like if you're not good at the game, you don't get to play. Yeah. You know? It's <laughs> such a weird learning curve. I'd say the most impactful 3D game, though, uh, and I, everyone would probably agree, would be Donkey Kong. I remember Donkey Kong Country, excuse me, the first mm. Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. I remember uh, being a, a Nintendo Power subscriber, getting in the mail one day a VHS tape that just was covered in those Donkey Kong leave looking yeah. package, you know, and I got excited. What the hell is this? It was a hell of a game. Yeah, and I hadn't even heard of it yet, you know. You put the tape in and they're talking about what they're working on. We're making this game and they kept showing clips from it and my, my God, this is beautiful because, you know, <laughs> like they... Fully committed to the graphical look. Of right, the well, the, and they added layers because they the characters not only look rounded, but then behind them you have a layer of snow, say, coming in from the right. Behind that there's another layer coming in from the left yeah, and as like you move scrolling landscapes yeah, at different rates yeah, yeah the yeah. depth it added it was incredible and I think that game still holds up with the way it looks to this day I'll never oh, yeah. forget I, I, I had I, Donkey Kong Country I loved it I never got further than Stop and Go Station it was cool it was <laughs> just like endless stairs with giant barrels. crocodile men yeah with barrels and they were asleep when this light was red and it would turn green oh, and they'd that. go freaking crazy and yeah, I, I just uh-huh. couldn't figure it out couldn't get the timing down no one said those games were easy. No, and but no one said they'd are. have to be so hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Now, the, the Donkey Kong on Wii, and I've heard the one for Wii U, they are impossible. Yeah. They are so freaking hard to play. They're both really good. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, it shouldn't be easy, but my God, we'll spend like a whole night just trying to beat one little board, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like a super intense game of memory. You, you know, remembering exactly when to duck, when to jump. Yada, I think yada. that's what people are referencing when they talk about the retro game feel. Mm. What right. I mean is, there's the, uh, figure it out. You know, it's yeah. like, no one's going to help you. It's like uh, one of my favorites, NES. Yeah, it was NES. It was uh, Batman Returns. Oh. Which is one of those games that had to have started as a completely different game. Because the setting, the enemies, yeah, had nothing to do with Batman. Mm-hmm. And then they'd throw in a cutscene where it's like the Joker. You see his face <laughs> for two seconds, and then you're back in some weird cyberpunk computer machine thing. And Batman Returns? Yeah. For NES? I'm thinking of Super NES, Batman Returns. I think Returns, Returns is on Super Nintendo. Oh, maybe, maybe it's the I, first Batman. You know what it is? It's Return of the Joker. Batman oh, Return of yeah. the Joker, there not Batman go. Returns. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. And the setting like has nothing to do with Batman, but it's still awesome because you kind of look like Batman. And it's just like a really fun <laughs> platformer with a really interesting, like, yeah. dark techno look. But it's not Batman. I don't know what the hell it was. Batman Returns <laughs> was uh, 
very much like Final Fight kind of mechanism. Okay, see, but, I didn't play that one then. Yeah. I didn't either, but I've actually recently read it's one of the better ones on the system, too. Oh, I guess, like, That's multiple moves and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember in the... I don't remember if you could do it throughout the whole game, because, again, I never got very far in those <laughs> games. always had my ass kicked by level three. But <laughs> um, if you remember in the movie when one of the clowns has uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer up with, like, a stun gun to her neck, and then... Yeah. Batman shoots the grapple into the wall behind him and pulls a chunk of the wall yeah, out and knocks yeah. him unconscious. You could do that move. If there was oh, an enemy nice. near a wall, cool. you could shoot your grapple and knock him out. There were other moves like that. It was a pretty fun game. Yeah, I've actually been that. watching prices on that game, and it's starting to jump up quite a bit. Is so, it really? Yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever checked out, like, you know, just kind of what it's buying and selling and super nintendo games what they're worth and stuff but man it's crazy right now it's just popping off so much and it's if you want to start collecting now it's a bad time i think (laughs) i still have a whole bunch downstairs that i I think i'll be content with but i know what you mean i mean looking at that store over the weekend you either saw super nintendo games that were 30 to 50 dollars or one to three dollars you know right there was really no happy medium either it's a good game or it's shit you know yeah, $50 still for SNES? Um, maybe not. Uh, probably depends. closer to 80 It's I mean, around here, I would say closer to 80 like an original set, yeah. It depends oh, what yeah. it is. It depends what it is. Like, uh, maybe, you know, like an original Street Fighter II cartridge. I'm sure that's every bit of $80. Well, that's true, yeah. that's. But uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of examples. I guess just like the Mario games they had over there, some like Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, those kind of games were still pretty expensive. The Donkey Kong games still... Hmm. Big price tags on them, yeah. Yeah, you know, Yoshi's a, Island you really can't get for like less than like fifty, sixty dollars. I used to have it too, and I traded it in years ago. God damn it! I hated that damn dinosaur. Uh, the game was the game was <laughs> the interesting was though. <laughs> we we t- <clears throat> Mario was a baby, I think. Yeah, yeah. and like mm-hmm. the whole landscape and everything was like patchwork, like quilts and like the it's got a cool aesthetic. Yeah, and I, I think we beat the game. It definitely didn't have a Mario feel to it, but uh, I think it was just Baby Bowser you had to beat. I, re- I remember being young and wandering around some supermarket, uh, media play, something like that. Not media play, whatever. And, a bunch of produce at media play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right next to the cassettes. Um, there was a, a display with like all the new games that are coming out, which was like crap to me. I would yeah, seek that out totally. immediately. Yeah, uh-huh. it was the best. And they had the little panel where you could choose which one. And mm-hmm. uh, Yoshi's Island came on. And I didn't see it because, like, I had to leave or my parents dragged me away or something. And I remember just seeing baby Mario, which didn't register to me as being Mario. Just a crying baby trapped in a bubble floating across the screen. And thinking to myself, what the hell kind of screwed up game is What is the gameplay here? It just looked like this nightmare world where children are trapped. It kind of was. I mean, the second an enemy hit you... Mario was off your He's back gone. in that yeah, bubble. There he is. You have to go break the bubble to get him back. But Super it wasn't baby enough to. Simulator. It wasn't enough just to you know like have to go get him because that's how the game played. The crying sound effect oh, that they crying. gave him. Yeah, that's why I, could, I can't really oh. play that game. The crying. Man. It was horrible. Just, <laughs> just over and over and it's loud. Just, it's just that constant urgency, which I guess is sort of like a good parent simulator at the same time. <laughs> you always know when we're playing Yoshi's Island. I mean, shut up! Shut the fuck up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> yeah. God, just take it out! Take it out of the system! <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that'll be a good note to end that one on. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. God, I can't wait to get that console hooked up. That's that cool. time flew by, jeez. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right? We'll definitely have some more conversation on the topic uh, once we dig these games out and start playing oh, yeah. them. It'll be fun. Return to the NES roundtable. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe we can film them somehow, put them Ooh, up on the cool. website yeah, or something. Yeah. That'd be cool. You know how to do that? Yeah, I'd probably figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> Another day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into the comic dump bin. Really embracing the radio voice. That was menacing, voice. yeah. I'm embracing the radio voice this week. <laughs> Unnerving. <laughs> I want to do, like, the uh, traffic report or something eventually. <laughs> Get the helicopter going. <laughs> oh, why do you do that? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. Who would like to go first this week? I'll go first. I think mine's going to be quick. Do it. Surf ten- blah. Surface tension Surf ten- from Titan Comics. Written and illustrated by Jay Gunn. Jay Gunn. Yeah. It's about a year ago. For some reason, everybody in the world, some virus hit almost everyone in the world, and they started turning into these melting-looking zombies. They would walk, walk in the ocean and dissolve. Hmm. Just out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, a year later, there's this one little island left full of uh, probably a couple hundred survivors. And they're just making life go as they know it after the big fiasco. Then all of a sudden, these two people get washed up on shore, and they're all blue. Everyone's freaking out because they don't know who they are. Um, They recognize one person, and then it's a guy and a girl. And they ended up putting them in quarantine. This little old lady ends up finding out. She knows who the girl is. And what happened was the girl that washed up on the shore, she was a do-gooder. Her and her man were helping uh, clean up like oil spills. They're cleaning up this one beach and all of a sudden she gets upset, you know, whoa, we're not doing enough. There's got to be more we can do. And they look out into the horizon they see this big, uh, like, uh, I can't think of what it's called. They see this big, like, figure out in the in the ocean. So they take a boat, go to it. Turns out it's like this big coral pillar thing sitting in the middle of the water. And they find out, they do some tests that all the water around it's all clean. Come to find out that that well, it just appeared out of somewhere, and they walk inside and find this like beating heart. The guy touches it, he starts mutating, gets absorbed into it, and then it disappears. A and coral then, with a beating heart, yeah. Hmm. It, it was weird. The, the art on the book's not great, but the story kind of keeps it going. I think that's the only reason why I kept reading now and got about halfway through, but yeah, hmm. that's about it. <laughs> like, ever since everyone turned, like, it was the ocean fever, I think they called it. Where everyone would walk into the water after everyone disappeared, like all these weird animals and stuff started coming out of the ocean. And there's all these big coral towers everywhere. Mm. Ocean Fever, by the way, the name of my solo album. I'll be releasing <laughs> when this band breaks up. Ocean, Ocean Fever. Fever. But I think I stopped before it started getting good because there's some, some whatever creature. that is on the back. Yeah, yeah, that monster's coming out of the the water, sitting there saying needs to be cleansed and is eating people. That is. Right. <laughs> hmm. Cool. You can use that as your album title. I'll use it as my so, cologne title. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ocean Fever. Ocean Fever. Always whispered. New fragrance from Candair. <laughs> you know that ocean smell you smell fever. like when you come back from the ocean? Yeah. ocean oh, it's fever. good. Your girlfriend's going to love it. Ocean Fever. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, I'll go next. 
My book is a book from uh, Jack's Comic Bento. Was that just last month's? Uh, April's, yeah. April. Called The Four Points from Aspen Comics. And this is uh, volume one. It looks like it's a Comic Bento exclusive. So I guess if you don't have Comic Bento, you're not reading it. Must be some kind of loser, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Call yourself a comic, (laughs) man. No, but uh, what this book is, it opens up uh, like a rainy night in like a a mental institution, mental hospital. And there's a girl who's sitting just looking out the window, chanting to herself. Say, it's like she's talking to somebody, but there's obviously nobody there. The nurses are outside talking, you know, she's been like this for years. She's not going to come out of whatever this is. (laughs) Just in there talking at the wall again, blah, blah, blah. Well, next thing you know... After years of sitting there doing the same thing, she kind of comes to comes to the door and knocks. She says, let me out. My parents just died. They're like, oh, yeah, right. We would have known. We would have known. Turns out her parents own the whole hospital that she's actually in. So they, they turn the TV on and it right there says, plane crash has killed, you know, her, and it says her parents' name. So in that case, she immediately becomes the owner of the hospital, and they just let her right out of her cell. You know, she's free to go. But um, <laughs> it turns out that the reason she was there is she finds out her parents were kind of like, uh, ugh, I don't know how to put this, not paranormal like investigators, but just searching out like oddities throughout the world, like the Yeti and stuff like that, and either, you know, containing them or protecting them in some way, uh, shape or another. And this is all happening at this place called The Point, which is pretty much like a Pentagon kind of facility that her parents own to house all these creatures and oddities and whatnot. Pentagons have points. <laughs> That's true. There are many. I <laughs> do. Five, in fact. But it finds she finds out that her uh, parents, you know, have put her in this place and had done all this extensive uh, treatment to her throughout her life to control this power she had. She, her, her, she herself was one of the oddities her parents were protecting. Turns out that she is one of four girls that are to become the four points. And what the four points do are fight off the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Uh, so we have our next character, uh, Ivana Gul, who is a Russian girl who uh, she can control air. She can fly and control air. There's Ara. She comes from... She uh, just described as a jungle paradise. I don't remember if it said exactly where she was from, but she can control fire. And then there's Dr. Aspen Matthews, another hottie who can control water. <laughs> All very <laughs> cute gals. But um, each, this is the first five issues of the series. So each issue is pretty much the setup for each new character. And the last issue is the four horsemen coming to them. Typically, you know, when they come to them, it's time to fight. You know, for centuries, many people have filled these roles, and, you know, the four points have always fought the four horsemen against ending the world. Well, this time, the horsemen come to them, and they say, we need your help. Uh, Our uncle is out of control. He's got all this power, and he's planning on, while you're distracted, you know, taking us out, doing, you know, destroying the world. Now that I'm saying this to you, I don't know why they would care. I mean, wasn't that their main objective? (laughs) Right. right. But um, (laughs) anyway, uh, yeah, the uncle comes, causes trouble. They take him out. And from then on, they're known as the Four Points. This book was a lot of fun. I think the art was good in it. Uh, The story was good. It just, there was no bullshit in this book. It didn't 
take time to stop on details. It just kept right on rolling. You <laughs> it was know? a crazy thing. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, within two pages, the horseman comes. He explains the danger wow. of his uncle. The next page, the uncle's there causing uh, all kinds of, you know, shenanigans, mayhem, whatever. Next page, he's done. He's taken care of. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Yeah. So... I'm not going to point that out as a flaw to the book. It just comes down to a preference. If you don't want, you know, the nitty gritty details, just want to get right in and get out, this book's for you. I've got to warn you guys, you've only got about four or five panels to deal with this problem. <laughs> but, um, and, I, and I don't say all that to say it was a bad book because I, I did not intend on reading the whole thing. And I sat and read it from front to back. It was fun. Hmm. It was a good book. So. The four points from Aspen Comics. It's a total different setup than the way surface tension was because it was. It starts out, you're like, "What the hell's going on?" And then you end up meeting some people, the characters, see their backstory, mm-hmm. and it clips back, goes to the other guy's backstory, and then stuff starts happening, and that's where I had left off. So, yeah, you might be getting to where it gets really good. Yeah. Yep. And I can see the 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 theme was elemental, mm-hmm. so I can oh, see that, that between sense. the two. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't yeah, catch right. the theme with uh, the Book of Death you talked about. You know, I, it, he was defending the line of the geomancers, like Earth ground, mystics, yeah. okay. and then he was like subverting the elements. So I, I think it it worked. Okay, it's like life and death, indivisible. Cool. Well, who would like to go next, Jake or Scott? I'll go next. Go. <clears throat> um, the book I've got today is called Kung Fu Satanist. <laughs> why the hell so, yeah, not? This, <laughs> why not? No stopping that. Right. <laughs> Such power. <laughs> um, it's from Trauma Comics, uh, which you can check out on Facebook. Um, first, I'm going to say this is an awesome comic. I totally picked it up. I saw it online. I was like, yeah, I got to get that, right? Yeah, and, why, uh, why not? Yeah. So it's um, written by Simon Sanchez and art by Dean Juliet. And, you know, it is what it's called. It's about a kung fu guy, and he is also a Satanist. So we join up, and he's uh, stalking some rooftops and eventually comes across a warehouse full of hookers that are being treated poorly. So our um, <laughs> our kung fu Satanist crashes through, and um, he starts fighting all these uh, Russian bad dudes. And the cool part of the book is like how they sort of integrate these powers in. And so he's kind of like fighting all these guys Kung Fu style and the guy sneaks up behind him with a knife. But the Kung Fu Satanist pulls like a poltergeist head turn and swivels his head all the way back around and spooks the guy (laughs) who's coming up behind him. And then sort of like, you know, disembowels people from there and does various things. Um, So he ends up saving the ladies and then we find out that he is sort of an occult detective is what it comes down to. And um, it's got a real strong Dexter feel to it. Like he's a, he's an occult detective who like is out there to catch bad people apparently, but he does it by summoning the powers of Satan and using those against other bad people. So uh, in this issue, he ends up stalking this murderer who is the uh, owner of a voodoo shop. And uh, the end fight comes down to the Kung Fu Satanist with the power of Satan versus this voodoo guy. And they fight to the death and it's uh, full of some awesome Kung Fu and lots of hearts being ripped out. And it's just a lot of fun. So 
That is Kung Fu Sameness. That sounds cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those books where like I don't know, you know, it is what it is and it's done well and you cannot and, claim it was dishonest. Right, right. You had me at hookers being treated badly. <laughs> <laughs> you it's, better it's treat a, these hookers with some respect. Come on, man. <laughs> Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing Satan hates. Oh my god. That, that was priceless. These it's, hookers aren't getting the treatment they deserve. It's time to unleash some kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's no explanation why this guy knows kung fu. There's not even an explanation really of why he got it's in trouble it's in with Satan. Right. Well, yeah, it's on his business card, I guess. <laughs> Very oh, cool. Shoot. All right. Check that one out. <laughs> Jake, what do we got? <laughs> I have got The Road to Civil War. Nice. Which was awesome. I was um I was a little concerned with the Civil War movie coming out and I hadn't actually finished the entire Civil mm. War line. Oh no. Oh, he's going to get killed later. Um, <laughs> I, I figured there would be very little consistency between the comics and the movie, so I wasn't, you know, like right. really thrown off, but I thought, like, I want some insight into this conflict to see mm. what they're drawing from, where they go with it. And uh, Jeremy here suggested Road to Civil War, which was uh, awesome. Felt like such a great primer for uh, for what was touched upon in the movie. And, and even if the events are not the same, the concepts are really strong, right, and yeah. this is a perfect introduction to that. It essentially starts out, um, the very first um, event is Tony is called together this meeting in Wakanda, and Black Panther's there, Black Bolt, Namor, Professor Xavier, Doctor Strange, who am I forgetting? Reed Richards. Reed Richards, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think that's all of them. And Tony calls them together, and he says, hey, guys, look, there's some, you know, the the crawl war had just come to a stop. Everyone was kind of unscathed, and they're like... This can and will happen again, and who's going to stop it? It's got to be us. Tony puts forth this idea, everyone needs to unite. Everyone with these powers has a responsibility, because not only are they the weapon to use against situations like this, they're the catalyst for those situations. Their presence being this powerful, strange group, they tend to draw that kind of attention, so they need to unify and, and have the means to, to call upon each other. You know, sort of like, a, you know, you've got the Avengers and the Inhumans and all these little factional groups. He says, let's cut the names, cut the bullshit. We're all in it together. Right. And most of them hate the idea. Black Panther's so insulted he leaves the room and sends for his men to have the council removed. Doctor Strange is not stoked. Uh, Namor is an asshole and fails before threatening. Is like, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, my nation is submerged. You'll never encounter blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, dude, I'm just trying to help. And he's like, no, we'll destroy you. He's like, stop threatening us. Like, he's just threatening everybody through the whole time. And um, Tony doesn't have a lot of luck. Well, they fast forward a bit. Um, House of M comes and goes, those events, and uh, he calls together another meeting, this time with the Superhero Registration Act being, like, bounced around, you know, Congress, different... Yeah, 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 and there, he says, you know, someone slipped this to him, it's picking up momentum, he says, we've created a world where this bill can not only exist, but will pass. I don't like the idea of being registered, of being kept on a leash, of being hunted down if we go rogue, but the alternative is worse. And he sits down, he's got this really great speech he gives, which we were obsessing over this line earlier, where he says, I'm a futurist. I'm seeing four, five, six steps ahead. He says, me and Richards, that's our thing. 
we see ahead. I understand why. And he's, he's a little arrogant about it. He's like, you people don't, <laughs> you don't get it. But me and the other genius in the room, you know. And he says this can only get worse and we need to get ahead of it before it steamrolls us. He says specifically what's going to happen is some happy-go-lucky kid, someone powerful with not a care in the world, one of the new Avengers, one of those kids in L.A., he says. And he says one of these kids is going to screw up. They're going to look left when they should have looked right. People are going to get hurt. They're going to get killed. And this environment of fear and distrust is going to boil over and we need to get ahead of this. We can't let it become as bad as it can be. We need to help create something that's manageable now. And sure enough, you know, Speedball creates that whole situation, mm-hmm. turns Independence, who is such an awesome character. It's like oh, my favorite God. thing to come out of that storyline. <laughs> I know he's ridiculous. I forgot about him. Oh, he's so cool. But uh, Tony hits it on the nose. He says, look, this is going to happen. And I know what else is going to happen. Half of us are going to go one way. Half of us are going to go the other. Friends are going to die in former allies' arms. People are going to see people they love being destroyed. But that's the way it is. This is the world. And he's got this. It's not necessarily a defeatist attitude, but a realization that the good times are over. Mm -hmm. It's not just buddies going out and fighting crime, saving the world. Things are getting real. The politics are creeping in. And it's too late to to deal with the infection. They just have to create something usable out of what's left, and it's uh, it's awesome. And there's a there's a great line when Tony tells them that this bill is going to pass, and uh, Doctor Strange is pissed. He fully bails. He says, "Never call upon me again," and he teleports away because he's so disgusted with the idea of submitting like that. And Tony turns to Richards, and he's like, well, what do you think? He's like, no, no, it's a good idea. Anyway, I'm going to go home and argue with my wife about this for the rest of my life. (laughs) He's gone. And, you know, it comes to blows with Namor, who tries to fully drown Iron Man, which is such an asshole. I can't get over that. He's the worst. But it's it's awesome. It's an awesome way to to get you ready for it. Because the events of Civil War sometimes seem a little one-sided. Iron Man goes full Nazi yeah. and starts recruiting what symbiotes and stuff. It's yeah. just like he goes way too dark, way too fast. But this gives it a really interesting perspective. It was awesome. Highly recommended. This this book shows more of how Tony was definitely on the same side yeah. as Cap. Like you yeah. were saying, he just does. He just his method knew it was out of their hands eventually. Right. He what, sees that, that being obstinate about it is only going to make it worse when the backlash hits. He's trying right. to mitigate rather than mm-hmm. you know. Another thing that makes this book great uh, is not only it's the road to Civil War, it's also the road to Planet Hulk. You see the Hulk jettisoned off into space in this book, and you also get uh, the first look at the Iron Spider-Man yeah. in this book. And so him, cool. Him and testing a, that suit out for the first time. There's a great page in the back with Spider-Man having his suit like mm-hmm. disassembled piecemeal the way Iron Man always does, yeah. where he strikes a pose and his suit comes apart. Like oh. every little piece comes off, like the eye That's thing's the being taken out. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. So cool. Good book. All right. Is that everyone? Yeah, I think so. It. Yeah. Cool. We're good. You had me in trance there telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel the need to read it. Well, <laughs> save you some time. That's what I'll just start a YouTube channel where I like half assed summarize certain comics. It's like, oh, yeah, he did this, they did that. Anyway, go make a sandwich. <laughs> freed up some time for you. All right. Well, with that, let's just move right into. Real World Heroes! Jack, who do we have this week? House the German Shepherd. House the German Shepherd? Is that H A U S? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. House. Figure German Shepherd. What a waste if they didn't. (laughs) Another pet on the hero list. 
It started off, it's in uh, Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Seven-year-old Molly was playing in her backyard, and the dog was out there with her. The grandmother was looking outside, you know, keeping an eye on the little girl, and then you noticed that the dog was standing in front of her, kind of barking at something, and then would lunge and then, like, jumped back three or four, about three times. She ended up going out to find out what was going on. Turned out there was a Eastern Diamondback rattlesnake. Holy cow! There. And she saw the dog; its front paw was bleeding pretty good. So they ended up calling the vets and stuff. The snake, uh, from what I, under, I I couldn't find anything about what happened to the snake. I don't know if it took off, but they ended up taking the dog in to its the car and peeled out. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> Aren't they like highly venomous? Yeah, it's one of the most venomous in the United States. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they took the dog. He seemed to be doing good. He was limping. They got him to the vet, and then he started kind of losing a little bit. And they thought he was bit once, but once they, they shaved the, the wound area to kind of clean him up, they saw that he got hit three times. <gasps> so the dog, he's on antivenom right now. They've got pretty much just a straight drip. They said he might have some liver damage, but he should pull through. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. They made a GoFundMe page for the hospital bills. And I think the they were looking to get like twenty one thousand, and they hit fifty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so like anything over what the actual medical bills are, they're gonna donate to the the vet clinic there. Call Ooh, has diamond awesome. toenails now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turned out that it was a rescue dog too at the same time, so they're wow. they're pretty happy because that that paid off in the end. Oh uh, yeah, I'd say. Wow, incredible Dogs are story. awesome, man. Yeah. Dogs are awesome. I wish I could have one. I'm just, I'm allergic. I can't. <laughs> Get a cockapoo. They're, they're hypoallergenic. Yeah. Oh, it'll cost you is your dignity. <laughs> <laughs> I got a cockapoo. <laughs> You're walking Mom down the street me. all being pretty and stuff. <laughs> tell them tell it's a mud or yeah. a rat. He's hypoallergenic. <laughs> I'll stick to my cats. Thank you. <laughs> wow. And for that house, you have found a spot on our wall of justice. In the hall of heroes. That's incredible how uh, animals will protect, you know, yeah. human beings, especially children. Like that cat. We mm. talked about this as the second mm-hmm. animal at being added to the wall. The first was the cat who fought the dog off of the I kid. remember seeing that. Yeah. Oh, that my dog God. Dog off. Yeah. I would like to think my cat would do that for me. I think like to think. you'd have a whole gang of cats with all five of them. <laughs> One of them's got a switchblade. <laughs> I have a murder of cats. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, with that, let's just turn our full attention over to Scott and talk about Steel Versus. Thanks for being with us, Scott. Yeah, man. It's awesome. So tell us about this project. Uh, launching on uh, Kickstarter this coming Friday, the 20th, which by the time anyone hears this, it'll be active. Hopefully, yeah, that's the plan. So tell uh, us about the book. We're uh, excited to hear about it. Well, the book, uh, it's best summed up with, uh, it's a Mountie versus Monsters comic book, uh, which pretty much explains what I got going on in those pages. So, um, <laughs> But uh, it's sort of... The idea based around a real guy. Um, Sam Steele was an actual Mountie, and he did a bunch of sweet stuff while he was a Mountie. And I sort of just came across him, you know, just reading random history books and found him. And I was so, like, taken by, you know, what he did as a real dude that I was compelled to make a comic. But, you know, I naturally people don't read history comics. So, uh, you know, I had to just spice it up a little bit with some monsters. So You can't go wrong with monsters. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. really can't. Exactly. And this definitely isn't your first uh, monster book, is it? 
No, actually, I seem to write monsters ex- exclusively so far. So, <laughs> monsters is like hot fudge. Yeah, it's man, good on everything. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong. <laughs> I think I found a clip for the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> monsters is like hot fudge. It's, it's, it's Get that true, on though. a T-shirt. It's true. Check yeah. out the Candare web store, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the T-shirts we would have would be incredible. Yeah. So is this a project that you've uh, is already like finished just waiting for the funding to be produced or I mean how far is, along is this project? Uh, this issue, which is the third issue technically, uh, but it's the second in a, mi- in a miniseries. It's all sort of confusing, but there's a zero issue and then there's issue number one and then this is a Kickstarter for issue number two. So second issue, technically third issue. So, um, but the first two are done, and they're published, and there's print copies available of that one, and it's on Comixology. Oh, well, and then, um, Yeah, and um, then the Kickstarter that's coming up on May 20th is for the second issue in the miniseries, and it's three pages so far done, and the cover will be done. But other than that, the Kickstarter's to fund the completion of the issue. I hadn't even realized there was a number one out there hmm. to look at. Boy, I I'm thought underprepared. I said, I, I thought I sent it to you guys. That's my bad, I guess. <laughs> we'll let it slide this time, Scott. <laughs> you know what? No, this interview is over. Just hang up. Hang up. <laughs> so uh, in the past, uh, the work we've seen you do is uh, with uh, Hank Steiner along with mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Souls. Are you going to be working with him on this project? or? Uh, no, this is a whole different artist team. Um, the first issue was out in 2012, and then the second was in 2014. And um, I've worked with the same core three people uh, for the whole series so far, and uh, they're coming back for this one, which is awesome. Um, the artist is named Slobodan Jovanovic, and he's done a couple books um, in the UK. He's also worked on an animated short uh, film that just did an Indiegogo that has the voice of William Shatner in it, so that's pretty oh, cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. If you ever um, need to get something funded, I feel like the voice of William Shatner goes a long <laughs> way. Uh, yeah, I would agree. And then uh, for colors is a is a gentleman named K. Michael Russell, and he's uh, he's worked on several image books and some stuff for DC, so he's a, he's a great colorist and an awesome dude, so I'm glad to have him back. And then uh, the letterer um, goes by the name of H.D.E. Oh, and is, no, yeah. Is, yeah, as far as I know, he letters every book. So, you know, the guy's a wizard. So everybody's back, and we're doing a new issue, and it's called Steel versus the Corpse Miner. So Ooh. Nice. <laughs> Hopefully that has an allure to it. <laughs> <laughs> intrigued, already intrigued. You're starting to see pictures. Right? <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the Kickstarter that's going to be uh, launching this Friday. What kind of rewards are you going to be uh, have to people who donate? Um, so we've got basically all the books will be available, number zero, number one, and number two. Um, there's going to be a series sketchbook, a uh, black and white digital book that'll have... I've got about 14 people committed to doing sketches for it, and um, <clears throat> I plan on you know trying to acquire more as the uh, Kickstarter goes on. But then uh, in addition to the comics art, there is uh, some exclusive prints. Uh, Right now, the number is six, but it's going to be kind of those things where anytime I can add something to the campaign, I'm going to try. Absolutely. And and, uh, just some really awesome people and some really, really awesome monsters versus Mountie art in my inbox right now. So um, you can you'll be able to get them in small and large prints. 
And then um, there'll be a beverage coaster and bookmark combo that'll go with each hey. person. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't know. I usually sit down with a beverage with my comic, and, you know, sometimes you, <laughs> sometimes you got to do shit while you're reading a comic, so you need a bookmark. It's a good too, combination. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then um, there's original art from uh, a number of the gentlemen who are doing art for the series. And then uh, one last cool thing that we've got is a custom Sam Steele action figure that I had uh, commissioned. Oh. Yeah, he's. Um, I've got pictures on the Facebook right now, but there'll be like a little photo shoot planned uh, that'll be on the Kickstarter page. But um, it's just limited to the one, but he's like got several points of articulation. He's got a removable head, so he's got with the hat and without the hat on, which is awesome. Uh, he's got a working holster uh, with several accessories, and he's even got his horse with him. So what? it's a cool. yeah, it's it's a very cool piece. So. Sounds like a Marvel uh, legend. Yeah, you yeah. Can, it's you, it's um it's the GI Joe level scale is what it is, and it's um kind of I don't know if you've seen any of like the newer ones that they've started doing. Huh. That they're they they have like a couple more like a wrist joint and an ankle joint, and they're a little little more posable than your classic GI Joes. But that's that's kind of where the scale of it is at. Wow. The way into any of our hearts here at Canbear <laughs> is with action figures. Let me tell you. Oh wow. man, I just and and this one, I just stumbled across the world of custom action figures. You know, a couple months ago, so I've been drooling over regular action figures and customs for several months on Instagram. And some of the stuff that people do out there is just insane. I want to look into that. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, we need some canned air action figures. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just for uh, us. We know you people don't yeah. want them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Legends customizations, some of the ones I've seen are just, wow. Legends, it's called? Uh, it's like using the Marvel Legends figures. Oh, like I people, see. People just create some crazy ones out there. There's this guy, and he does a Marvel character as if he was Hulk. So every Marvel character but Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's pretty sweet. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, we're really but, excited uh, to see this Kickstarter, and as soon as you get it uh, this Friday when it launches, we'll have it uh, linked on the website, and we'll be pushing it on Twitter, so everyone will awesome. have a chance to support. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, Scott, I want to thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. We always have fun with you. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to CandairPodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on our social media page. Visit the Hall of Heroes, see the Wall of Justice, check out the videos page and see what we've done on YouTube. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote some of your work, send us an email on your contacts page. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. And uh, Scott, I, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Pistol Whip Press. There you have it. So you can follow Scott and everything he's up to and even the classic games he's been playing. Absolutely. Is it, is it the same on Instagram? Uh, Instagram is Njordsman. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else? Uh, don't forget, we have the Stabity Bunny. Yeah, uh, there's still plenty of time for that one. Yeah, free comic book yeah. day giveaway. Lots of cool stuff there. Stabity Bunny t-shirt, the first three issues. Three issues. Uh, great big Stabity Bunny sticker. The trade for the agency and the trade for salvagers. Yep. Tons of reading from Think Alike Productions. Good reading at that. So, uh, hey, and it's free. All you have to do is enter. Winner gets all that, and the losers will be killed. Right. <laughs> so, you want to be the winner. Yeah, me. Listen to us on Con Radio along with all the other shows on there like Game Fix, Every Day's Halloween, The Hall of Justice, Pure Fandom, 
Gamer's Dominion. Woo? The Gamer's Dominion? Oh yeah, Gamer's Dominion. Every day is Halloween. I'm just trying to make one. myself a part of this <laughs> as much as it's I can. It's a team effort. <laughs> and a handful of other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. <laughs> but they're all good. Yeah. We're not machines, we people. We can't remember all these names, right? We got our own problems in life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake. I'm Scott. Thanks for listening, everyone. There's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on CandarePodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Ah, am I forgetting anything? Ah, Monsters is like hot fudge. The... Mm-hmm. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.